0: Okay, so it seems like a lot of people are looking for an emotionally available, present, and stable, loving partner. I mean, I get it. That is also what I have always wanted. So, um, if this is what you are seeking, it's doable. It's available. Uh, there are people that are emotionally available, and the issue becomes when you yourself are not as emotionally available as you think you are, right? And for me, the definition of emotional availability is um, being present for and able to identify a variety of different emotional states and sitting with that emotional experience without distracting, minimizing, or turning away from it. Right so emotionally available people are stable they're uh, considerate they're kind uh, you can trust that their actions will match their words they're able to hold space for their own emotional experience and your and your emotional experience they don't make light of distract or minimize when emotional discomfort happens uh, they're able to describe accurately a variety of different emotional states. um, that's, That's a good starting point. And that might sound like a lot. And I'm not suggesting that you need to be this all the time or that somebody else needs to be this all the time. But if you are expecting the person that you're dating or your partner to be emotionally available and you yourself are struggling, then you have some work to do. Right? It's it's hard to expect others to act in ways that we ourselves aren't able to act. So if you're either looking for someone who's emotionally available or you yourself are kind of struggling with your own emotional availability, then listen to this short episode where I'm going to kind of talk about how you can identify someone who's emotionally available. And also those same ways that you can identify someone um, you can use to sort of increase your emotional availability. And I also want to say that just because you meet someone who's not emotionally available or that you yourself aren't, doesn't mean that you need to kick that person or yourself to the curb. Emotional availability like, is a tool that people can learn, absolutely. And so if you find yourself in a relationship with someone who's having a hard time opening up, but wants to open up and has a desire to open up, or if you want to open up and have a desire to open up and are willing to do the work, then then it's possible that you can learn these tools. I mean, I learned these tools and I wasn't always present. Like I, for a long time, was pretty shut down. And especially growing up, you know, I did a lot of drugs and alcohol and I got sober when I was 25. I used those drugs and alcohol to self-medicate because I didn't know how to deal with all of my emotions. Because you know, newsflash, no one showed me or probably you how to be present for those emotions, right? We tell boys to toughen up, we tell, um, we tell girls, we tell boys, we tell people not to cry, um, not to show our emotions when really we should be showing people how to deal with their emotions, how to let them flow through us instead of bottling them up. When you bottle it up, it's gonna blow up. That happens all the time road rage, people just like fly off the handle. When really, if we were more present for our emotions on a daily or an hourly basis, and we let them just be, we welcome them, then they pass and they don't get stuck in the body needing some sort of release, which is often inappropriate. Okay. So emotionally available people are able to talk about how they feel by using feeling words, right? If you ask someone um, how their grandma's doing, they say, "Well, you know, we actually had to move the move her into a home, and I'm really sad about that. Um, it's just been really, really hard to watch my grandma get older, and she's starting to like forget things, and um, I get I get really bummed out about it, and it's you know it's a little depressing." Uh, that's an example of someone who's able to use feeling words versus someone saying, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, people get old. At least you're still alive, right? That would be an example of some sort of like minimizing or like comparing their experience to somebody to like make it sound less impactful, right? And like a grandparent being sick is sad. So can we talk about, emotions that are difficult to talk about, right? It's it's a lot easier to talk about positive emotions. It's a lot harder to talk about ones that we, we see as negative, right? Like despair, desperation, sadness, anger, um, jealousy, envy. So are they, or are you, able to describe a vi- variety of, of different emotions? Okay, Raj. Raj wants to get on the couch. He's not allowed on the couch at my house, but now we're at other people's houses and the rules are different here so so can they can they answer how did that make you feel by using feeling words all right another example of an emotionally available behavior is not deflecting or changing the subject when someone brings up something uncomfortable right my go-to has always been making jokes if something is uncomfortable, or I don't know what to say, I'll make a joke to sort of like, uh, you know, deflect, or make light of, or change the subject because I'm uncomfortable. So, do they do they do that, or do they just sit with uncomfortable silence, or do they name their discomfort, or do they say I don't know when they don't know instead of making something up, um, or do they or do they change the subject? Okay, so another hallmark of emotional availability is people's actions matching their words, right? Do they do what they say they're gonna do? And this goes for you as well. Do you do what you say you're going to do? Can people trust your word? This is super important, right? So. Are they reliable? Are you reliable? Can people count on you to follow through with what you said you were gonna do or do you often make excuses? And I'm not saying you're not allowed to change your mind. I change my mind all the time. But for the most part, can people count on you? Right, so when people can count on you, when your actions match your words, when their actions match their words, It makes connecting in an emotional way safer and more comfortable because you can trust them. And opening up requires trust, right? You don't want to open up to just anybody. You want to open up to somebody that you know can hold you and hold your heart with love and tenderness and compassion and consideration. And when you don't trust someone, well, you can't trust that they're going to do that. And we want to be able to trust people to hold us in an appropriate way because if we open up to somebody who's not safe, we're going to get hurt and that's going to make it harder for us to open up in the future. So it's really, really important to find people that are safe to open up to because this makes it easier for us to form more open, loving relationships as we move through life, right? We will be able to like identify people easier by using sort of these tools, as people that are safe for us to open up to, right? And also I want to say that like opening up happens slowly over time. It's actually a red flag for someone who like opens up right away before you even know them or before they know you. Um, I call that puking on my shoes, right? You'll meet someone and immediately they'll sort of dump all this weird baggage on you. And that's super inappropriate because they don't know that I'm a safe person to hold that. And then also like, I don't know you, so why are you sharing that stuff with me? Intimacy is built slowly over time. And so just because you've met someone and you think they're not emotionally available, it doesn't mean that they're not emotionally available. It just means that you might need to get to know them for a little bit. And that also might be true for you, right? So these are all indicators, but this stuff is not cut and dry. None of the relationship stuff is cut and dry because it it involves people with different life experiences and different role models and different teachers and different wounds, traumas, and triggers. This is why this is like way more of an art than a science uh, and why we struggle so much with this, with love and relationships and intimacy. I struggle with it also. We all struggle with this. So I, I wish it was as easy as economics or something that was like, you know, just like more concrete. It's just not that concrete. And, and here we are anyway, still doing the best we can. So another thing to look for in terms of emotional availability is, can they say no with love, right? Or can you say no with love? Do you have healthy boundaries and you are you okay and willing to express those boundaries on a regular basis and uphold those boundaries and also set consequences when those boundaries are violated? Right, this, this comes, to, comes back to sort of respect of self, right? Feeling that you are worthy of people respecting your boundaries. Um, when you can say no, it means that you have an idea of what you want and what you don't want. And usually our emotions can tell us or can be indicators for what we want and what we don't want, right? So are you able to say no with love? And are you able to balance your needs with the needs of another person? This is important because in relationship, you're going to have to compromise. And people, you know, I've heard people saying like compromise, well, somebody always loses. And and I don't really see it that way. They're required for a relationship to continue, right? So there's going to be give and take. And and hopefully the give and take is like equal-ish right? Some parts of relationships or some phases or periods are going to be a little bit more lopsided than others. But if you look at it on the whole, is it like pretty even the give and take from both parties? So can you say no with love um, and know that you are worthy of advocating for your needs? Um, so another one that is pretty, pretty life-changing when you can figure this one out can you hold space for somebody else's emotional experience without trying to fix them or it? Can you just be with a sad person without trying to cheer them up? We, we rarely need cheering up. I think what we really need is people to, to see us, to hear us, and to be with us. I don't need balloon animals when I'm feeling sad. I, I just need someone to be with. And, and for me to share what's going on and for someone to say, yeah, that's hard. It makes sense that you would feel that way. That's what holding space looks like. It's really not more, much more complicated than that. And also, it's super hard to do. It's super hard to do to just be there with someone. Right? So can they do that? And can you do that for someone? I'm not saying you can't help someone when they're having a hard time, but if your go-to is to help and to fix and to change without acknowledging or sitting with or hearing someone else, then you might want to consider why you do that. Is it because witnessing someone's sadness or pain is deeply uncomfortable for you? That might be an indicator that there's some work that has to happen there. Um, a couple more. Do they listen and adjust to your desires, right? So if they mess up, can they attune and adjust to what you want? Are they able to like, course correct when something goes wrong? And similarly, are they able to own their shit and apologize in a way that where you feel heard and, ver, and vice versa? When someone calls you out and you've done something wrong, you've hurt someone, are you able to express remorse and regret and then stop acting that way? right, so listening to how other people feel or how you, how you impact others and then course correcting instead of just saying sorry and then going back to your old hurtful behaviors because that doesn't show a lot of consideration for the emotional experience of somebody else, right? If your, impacts, if your, if your actions impact somebody negatively, then the emotionally available and aware and open thing to do is to express regret Make sure the other person feels heard, right? So like giving them space to tell you what happened for them and then to change your behavior if this relationship is important. I mean, some people are gonna ask you to change your behavior and you haven't really done anything wrong. Um, And then you might wanna evaluate whether that's a relationship that you wanna continue being in or if you wanna continue um, with that behavior. And this is why all this stuff is super tricky. There is no cut and dry answer to any of this. Though having a therapist helps a lot, Uh, that's my plug for having a therapist. I've been seeing mine for like four years now and I can't imagine living without, um, constant supervision and like just someone that can be there for me in a really impactful way. Um, so when you share something intimate, do they reciprocate? When they share something intimate, do you reciprocate? right? So do they disclose parts of themselves without needing to be prompted? Is there a give and take? Is there a, I share something, you share something. And as we do this, we build, we build up our, like our bank of safety and respect and intimacy and closeness, which leads to a more intimate, fulfilling relationship, in my opinion. Of course, You don't have to be emotionally available if you don't want to be. I just want to be clear about this. And if you don't want to date people who are emotionally available, that's also fine. If you just want something casual, if you don't want to go deep because you're hurt from something, because you're protecting yourself, because you just need a break, that's also fine. I'm emotionally available to people that I want to be. If I don't know you and you ask me really intimate questions, first of all, that's a red flag because I don't know you. And just because I do this work doesn't mean that you have a right to know those things about me. Um, I'm not gonna go there because I don't know whether you're safe or not. So it's perfectly okay to not wanna be emotionally available if that's just not important to you. Though if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably important to you and that's it these are these are some tools these are some indicators of someone else's and your own emotional availability. So I have a whole course on this. It's, uh, it's called All About Emotional Availability. We talk about how to, we, we go much, much deeper into how to assess this when dating, how to become more emotionally available, what it means to hold space, how can we hold space, how can we sit with our emotional discomfort, tools, skills, practices, the whole nine yards. SeanGalinos.com forward slash courses, that's the new website. Um, please go to the website, try to break it please try to break my website. And then um, if you do find something, then send me an email, sean at thelovedrive.com, S-H-A-U-N at thelovedrive.com. And have a beautiful week.